0: Uh, with our 40 days of prayer, and also our series, Drawn In. Amen. We concluded our series uh, last uh, week uh, with a message, and so this week is more of a standalone message. Amen. We're probably going to have these until next month. Uh, I want to invite you uh, to invite people, uh, bring them with you, just don't invite them, actually bring them with you. Amen. Amen. It's one thing to invite folks, but, you know, bring them, drag them out of the house to church. Amen. And so here's the thing. Next month is going to be very special uh, because uh, me and Tony are going to be uh, tag team preaching again. Amen. So that's when we both get up and we preach together on Sunday morning. And so what we'll be doing for the next, uh, for the month of March, uh, we will be preaching about the Gospels, uh, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because what we find is many people are unfamiliar with the Gospels. You'll be amazed how folk can go to church their whole lives and not be familiar with the stories of Jesus and Jesus' actual teachings. And so we will be going through that. Uh, We'll be literally summarizing each Gospel each Sunday, which is a, a Herculean task. Uh, But we're just going to pull a scene or two out of each gospel that really captures the essence of that gospel that we believe will speak to you as a person, but also will speak to the larger world in which we live in, the world of culture, the world of politics and economics, but also on a personal, everyday level. And so uh, me and Tony are excited to be tag-teaming together uh, with you because we believe that all whoever God calls uh, whoever that is, we strongly believe, especially as a church, uh, we believe in the importance of women leadership. Amen. We believe that women should share in the leadership with whoever is leading in any kind of way. Um, I- I'm blown away that we still have churches, even in our own community, that do not allow women in the pulpit. I know it's 2020 and it blows me away, but uh, and there's some other things we could talk about this morning about that. Uh, but This is our way to say that we share in the leadership. Even though women, specifically in black churches, black women have always led, even though sometimes it wasn't recognized any way. And that's a black history fact for you this morning. Amen. Black women have always led uh, churches, even though sometimes, unfortunately, their leadership was not acknowledged formally. We talked about last week the Black Panthers. And a lot of people didn't know that 75% of Black Panthers were women. Because normally when you think about the Black Panthers, the image that's given to you is the image of Stokely Carmichael, uh, Huey Pete Newton, or Bobby Seal, uh, and maybe Angela Davis, uh, but there's also, uh, or Sata Shakur, uh, but the thing is, is that uh, most of the leadership in the Black Panther Party were women. A lot of Followers of Jesus that shared in the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels were women. When you read the Gospels, it's actually the women that get it. Y'all getting quiet on me now. Amen. Y'all getting quiet on me. Amen. And so uh, when, when so the, the dudes, the apostles, seem to be lost and confused most of the time about who Jesus is. So oftentimes in the gospels, you see it's the women that actually get it, amen? And so we're just going to lift that up. So we are continuing that trajectory. We're continuing that legacy of uh, of, of preaching and uh, uh, women preachers in our own church, amen? So I'm excited uh, to be—well, I should say I'm sharing the pulpit with Tony. It's actually Tony is sharing the pulpit with me, amen? Let me put it that way, amen? So I just— you know, say a few history things, and she go, she go to town, amen. She preached the word, amen. And so we just thank God for that. And so today's message is a standalone message. Uh, we, uh, the title of this message is When We Call on the Name. Turn with me to Psalm 18. I'll be reading from verses 1 uh, through 15. And I'm excited about this is because, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, Uh, but when I listen to worship or or gospel songs or, or spiritual songs or redemptive songs, sometimes they inspire me. And especially as a preacher, there's moments when I'm listening to a particular worship song, it may actually spark a message. And so I was listening to Todd Delaney's new album. I can't remember the name of it right now. But he has one of, the names in the, uh, one of the songs in the album is called, I Call on the Name of the Lord. And he's referencing this particular psalm that we are about to read. And what this psalm is, to give you some historical background before I read the text, I need you to understand the context of what's happening uh, as I'm reading this. This psalm is written by David. Everybody know who David is. David was one of the, the great kings of Israel, Amen and David had a struggle to get to the throne. And so a part of the struggle that he had to get to the throne was he had a lot of opposition, amen, from a little boy all the way up to the throne. Y'all familiar with the story of Goliath, amen, when he went and he stood before the great giant Goliath. And so as he made his way, as he began to get more platform and more and more followers and and began to build power in ancient Israel his 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 mentor Saul who was the king of Israel before he became king didn't like David he saw David as a threat to his position and so this psalm is about God David invoking giving an invocation invoking God's help in the presence of his enemies that God would deliver him from Saul in particular and so he's asking God for help because his soul. because all of y'all got souls, whether they are external or internal. Say, I got a soul. Some of y'all was talking about y'all soul this week. Some of y'all called your girlfriend this week. Man, you can't believe what Saul did this week. You ain't going to believe what Saul did at work this week. Y'all ain't going to believe what Saul said this week. Amen. (laughs) Everybody got Saul's. And so David is invoking God in response to the presence of his Saul. His Saul is trying to hunt him down and destroy him. And so he's invoking God. Amen. So you get a gist of what Psalm 18 is. Let me just read uh, what David says. He says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies, The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From your temple, you heard my voice. My cry came before you into your ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because you were angry. Smoke rose from your nostrils. Consuming fire came from your mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. You, O God, parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. You mounted the cherubim and flew he soared on the wings of the wind. You made darkness your covering, your canopy around you, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of your presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. You shot your arrows and the scattered the enemies. With great bolts of lightning, you routed them. And routed is that fancy old word for you took them out. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. God's word for God's people, Psalm Psalm 18, 1 through 15, amen. I adjusted it a little bit just to make it more of a prayer and less about David just talking about God, that I made it more in a form of an address. If you notice the the change, amen. And so uh, the power of a name. Since our topic or our title this morning is when we call on the name. What's in a name, y'all? Now, I know that's a hard question to ask, when you got folks naming their people, their children just any old names, literally. See, some of y'all went there in your minds. I know where you went. I ain't even talking about them names. I'm talking about any name that we name our babies, and we didn't even thought about what the name means. Like somebody can name their child Becky. And it sounds good, but you only know what Becky means, which comes from Rebecca. Hmm. Or oh, you may name your child Anthony. That's my name. Amen. And my name, my mama didn't want to name me Anthony. She wanted to name me Hannibal. Thank God. Amen. This is before Silence of the Lambs. This is the African general. She wanted to name me Anthony, but her and my grandmother got into a fierce battle over my name and so to spite my mother she named me after the roman general that hannibal had to fight against which is crazy so she named me mark after mark anthony the roman general so either way i've been named after generals and so uh that's that's interesting but the power of a name so i found out what my name mean do you know what your name mean i actually meet grown people my age don't even know what they name mean my name means priceless Anthony, you can't put a value on it. Amen. But what's in a name, y'all? See, in West Africa, it is Black History Month, right? In West Africa, the answer is everything. In a world where even the act of speaking is infused with power, I'm talking from the West African, uh, from the continent, uh, from our ancestors, uh, when you invoked a name, it, or, or, or even when you just said words, uh, the, the thought is, the belief was that you were saying something that had power in it either power to give life or power to take death, to make death. Mm. And so, uh, so in West Africa, the answer to the question, what's in a name, it literally is everything, especially birth names, whether protective or emboldening proverbial or predictive, exalted or even seemingly indelicate, or are of the highest traditional significance in Western African culture, so too The ceremonies that surround them. So, there was a big thing uh, when a child is born and and that that baby comes into the world. There was ceremony that was ritual amongst our ancestors and our people uh, that said the naming of this child is significant. It represents everything about this child. See, baby naming ceremonies are typically held seven to ten days after birth. Not only to allow the mother time to recuperate, but also to make sure the baby intends to stay in the world of the living. Hmm. Until an identifying word is attached to an infant's body and soul, it doesn't truly exist. Doesn't truly have a place in the world until that child has. name. Hmm. See, even the biblical concept of name, we must first realize that the concept of name in Scripture involves much more than a tag that identifies that person and distinguishes him or her from other people. See, a name in Scripture is more than just a, a set of letters that becomes a word that we just attach to you. Although it does that, it also has a much deeper meaning. Name in scripture represents the very essence of the person. A person's personality, their character, their reputation and authority are all wrapped up in their name. And so it is here in Psalm 18 that David does an invocation. Anybody know what an invocation is? Y'all go to a religious service of some kind, sometime of some kind, and you'll see at the beginning of the service, right, if you ever get a, some churches, they do like the, uh, they hand out the program, amen, and at the beginning of it, it says invocation. You ever seen that? In the Latin, it comes from the word invocare, which means to call upon. And so an invocation is an invocation to call upon the name of the Lord in that space, in that gathering, uh, in that event. And so it is literally the action of invoking something or someone for assistance or as an authority. And so in our passage this morning, the psalmist King David is invoking calling upon, calling in the name of God. This is an invocation. It refers to an appeal for help. Thus, an invocation is a prayer asking God for help. Mm. Or for the Christian, it is also not only asking God for help, it's also invoking the very presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what you need to know. So there's three things I want to share with you about uh, the name uh, this morning. And so here's what you need to know. See, the name is presence. Say the name is presence. Amen. The name is also personality. See, the name is personality. And also the name is purpose. Say the name is purpose. And so what we learn is uh, this is directly uh, related to, uh, as a Christian, uh, oftentimes I was confused when I first became a Christian because I really wasn't raised in church. Like I said many times before, I wasn't really raised in church. I was an atheist before I became a Christian. So that's why now for the past 20 or so years, since I've been a follower of Jesus, I've been playing catch up to all the songs our people used to sing. And so, one of the things that always had me curious was, and when I first started this journey as following Jesus, like, why do we always say in the name of Jesus at the end? Right? It's like, you know, we pray what we pray. Lord, send a blessing. Lord, help them out. Lord, get in the way, or Lord, make a way out of no way Uh Whatever we pray, God, do something. Lord, send your blessing. Lord, send your presence, God. Lord, I need your help. And then at the end of the prayer, everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. Right. And so when we invoke the name, you know, one of the things that's interesting is uh, the writers of the, the, the Psalm, the writer of Psalm, David, he is a Jew. He is, he is Hebrew. And so one of the things that we know uh, from uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, uh, there's a rich tradition called Hasidic Judaism. Ever heard of this before? Hasidism or Hasidic Judaism. It's kind of like the, the mystical version uh, of, within Judaism. And so according to that tradition, uh, there is a way that they invoke the name of God because here's the thing in Judaism, you just couldn't say God's name because God's name was so holy. Have you heard this before? That it's forbidden to actually say God's name within a Jewish tradition. And the reason why is because God's name in that tradition is to is seen as an equivalent to God's own self. Mm, y'all ain't hearing me. So what has happened? And so and so, so when you said the name of God in the Jewish tradition, you were actually saying God. So that's why you, they couldn't say the name because you basically saying I can handle God with my mouth. Mm. Or I can handle God. I can handle God. Question for you. Can you handle God? And what I mean by handle, you ever seen like those packages is this handle with care. Right? You see your kids acting up, you go handle them. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta swoop them up, right? Uh, you know or you go handle a situation right and that means you got some level of control and authority over a situation and so the re- one of the reasons why the name of God was forbidden is because uh, the Jewish the prophets and the scribes understood that you can't handle God you can't control God right so that's why you can't say the name because to say the name at your mouth is literally to say I can control God mmm But what we realize is he calls on a name. And so God says, okay, you can't say my name to the Jewish people. The Jewish people, he says, you can't say my name, but I'll give you some names to say. And what's some of the names that he says? Let's go back to the psalm real quick. He says, I love you, Lord. You're my strength. The Lord is my rock. So one of the names of God is that God is my rock. That God is my fortress. That God is my deliverer. That God, my God is my rock in whom I will take refuge. God is our refuge. So one of the names of God is that God is our refuge. He says, my God is my shield and the horn of my salvation. So one of the names that God, that David gives is that God is a horn of my salvation, right? You probably heard this term before, this phrase before called the horn of salvation, that God is the horn of my salvation. That has three primary meanings. And so one meaning is that if you ever seen rams uh, collide with other animals on the side of mountains, when their horns they bump, they, and so in order to protect uh, the flock, uh, you may have the, the larger ram with his large horns, he'll go and he'll literally buck somebody. Amen. I, I was watching some uh, videos this week of people running into rams and how they knocked them, ra- the, the rams are knock the people down the side of the hill when the people were getting too close to the babies. And so that's one of the meanings of when it says that Yahweh or God or the Lord is a ram or the horn of our salvation. That God literally is like a ram that when the enemy comes and encroaches around us, that God will literally show up in a very powerful way. Uh, Oftentimes we can't even see it. God will come like a ram and says, boop. So it's a very explosive imagery. Imagery. The other, the other meaningful horn of salvation is like the horn of a mountain, right? The horn of a mountain is like the very top of the mountain. It looks like a horn, Little, You ever seen a very high mountain? If you go out to Eastern Carolina, you see mountains. If you go out to the Midwest, Northwest, or if you go to, see, if you go to the uh, mountains in Tennessee, they stretch throughout the state. You see the top of these mountains, they're they're way up. So the imagery there is that when you're in that horn, when you're in the top of the mountain, you are away from the fray. You are away from those dangers that are around you. So the horn of the mountain literally becomes uh, a place of refuge and salvation. Thank you, Terry. So the horn of my salvation is also this. It also refers to the horn of the altar, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a, 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 a symbolic. It was literally a chest that, was, that, that, that contained uh, the Ten Commandments. Uh, it was seen as the very presence of Yahweh in Israel. So the Ark of the Covenant would be brought into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, to rest there, to symbolize God's presence amongst God's people. And so there will be an altar near the Ark of the Covenant, and literally there will be horns on the altar for people to hold on to. And so God has names that God gives us. So when we call on the name, we're calling on God's presence, personality, and purpose. But back to my earlier question or back to my earlier curiosity as a Jesus follower, I could not understand why people prayed in the name of Jesus. I remember searching and trying to understand this. Why do we say the name of Jesus at the end of prayers? Have you ever asked yourself that question or is it something you just do? See, this is directly reflected in the various New Testament statements about prayers and thanks to God as offered through Jesus and or in Jesus' name. In several instances, Paul refers to his prayer and or thanksgiving to God as through Jesus. Romans 8, 1 and 8, I thank my God, Paul says, through Jesus Christ. Or Romans 7, 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have a similar practice reflected in Colossians 3.17, which exhorts doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and give it thanks to God through him. Ephesians 5.20 urges thanksgiving to God always and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through John chapters 14 through 16, Jesus is pictured as repeatedly encouraging his followers to make their request to God, the Father, in his name. Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians 1-20 through 20, that through him, Jesus, we say amen to God for his glory may also reflect the central place of Jesus in prayer. Writer Larry Hurtado says, Jesus' name clearly functioned as a vehicle of divine power and blessing, as reflected in the regular invocation of his power and presence. Hmm. Reverence for the divine name has a basis in our everyday experience. A name is an expression of the whole and entire person. When we know a name, we are calling to mind the whole person when we speak someone's name, we are bringing the presence of that person into our consciousness. Let me say it again. When we say the name, we are calling upon that person uh, to be present to us in our consciousness. When we call upon the name of God, we are consciously bringing God into our life. What we express consciously becomes real for us. When we call upon the name of Jesus, our relationship with Jesus is activated by the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. You ain't got it. To- you try again? Sure. <laughs> I love this. Let me say it again. So basically, the name is the presence. Say the name is the presence. See, if we can go there real quick. See, the name is presence. Jesus said this. Uh, let me keep that up there. Uh, John 14, 30, 13. And whosoever or whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Mm. Isn't that interesting? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. He says, if you ask in my name, I will do it. Because you're asking in my what? Name. Because Jesus' name is also Jesus' presence. John 14 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye shall go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And in that day, John 16, 23, in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, uh, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. John 16, 24. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. John 16, 26, and that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the father for pray the father for you. So the name means presence. So here's the thing there's a passage that I wanted to uh, pull up, but it's in the book of Acts. It's a famous passage of the seven sons of Sceva. And and what happens is uh, there is a magician who is trying to invoke the name of Jesus because he encounters somebody who's possessed by evil spirits. And so he says to this, he says, as this magician, as this person uh, approaches this person who is possessed by demons, he says, in the name of the Jesus that Paul know. (laughs) Come out. And so in the passage, the seven sons, the, uh, the, the person who's possessed literally jumps on this dude and beat him up. And so they call Paul. Paul comes in, exercises, he says, in the name of Jesus, right? So here's the thing. So when when we invoke the name of Jesus, you are literally invoking the presence of Jesus. I know those are just words that I just said, but I need you to really reflect on what I just said. When you invoke the name of Jesus, you're invoking hopefully on the name of somebody that you already know. Don't invoke the name if you don't know. Because oftentimes in modern Christianity, we talk a whole lot about what we believe about Jesus. You got a whole lot of folk. Let's go on Facebook. They believe a whole lot of stuff about Jesus. But it's one thing to talk about what you believe or what you think you know about Jesus and quite another thing to actually know the very presence of Jesus. This is why the resurrection is so important for Christians. It's not just something just to believe, something just to celebrate once a year in April or March. Uh, It is actually an affirmation that I know the resurrected Jesus, that I have some kind of connection that I sense and I am aware of the presence of Jesus in my life. See, the name is presence. So when you say in the name of Jesus, you are saying, Jesus, be here. Make me aware of you. As I'm praying, Lord, I'm in some distress, God. God, I'm I'm going through it, Lord. Lord, in your name, God. In your name, Lord, I need you to make me aware that you are here with me. Why is that important? It's important because when you are aware of the presence of Jesus, when you invoke, uh, when you give that invocation of the name of Jesus, you become aware that you are just not alone in the situation. Uh, That you are just left to your own resources, that you are not just left to your own uh, uh, supply and resources, that you are literally on your own. And so, when you invoke the name of Jesus, understanding uh, that you are invoking the very presence of the resurrected Christ, uh, that you are invoking the presence of one to make you aware of his presence, to let you know that you are not alone in this. Hmm. This isn't magic. These aren't magic words. This is for you to center yourself. These words in the name of Jesus is to center you so that you can pay attention to Jesus, actually, who's already there. See, invocation, as we said many times before, invocation isn't asking God uh, to show up. You know how you can share your location on your phone? Amen. Amen. Yesterday we had a uh, we had a little get together briefly. Uh, the worst team got together, and I came later, uh, and they were talking. And Shamika said, "I got a I got a location request from Danny." Amen. <laughs> hey I do that to Tony too. Like, where you at? <laughs> right. See, an invocation is not a location request to God. See, an invocation is not asking God to come to, to for God to whip out God's GPS and figure out where you at. It really ain't about asking God to like come here. Invocation is really about you invoking the name of God, invoking the name of Jesus, so you can be aware that God is already present. Hmm. Now I know we pray in church, God come by here. Show up, Lord, and really what we're saying is, God, make it so that I'm aware that you're already here. Paul said it this way, I live and move and have our, we live and move and have our being with God. God is never on vacation, y'all, from us. Sometimes we just ain't paying attention. So if you got spiritual ADD, A cure for that is to pray in the name of Jesus. Hmm. The next one is the name is personality. So not only is the name the presence of Jesus, the name is also the personality of Jesus, the very person of Jesus, the very character of Jesus. So not only are you calling upon the presence of Jesus, you're also calling upon who Jesus fundamentally is. And what is and what is God fundamentally? We say God is good, yes, right, all the time. Good all the time God is, amen. But we know that the primary affirmation of who God is and God's personality and God's essence is love. Right. So here's the thing. You can, in the spiritual realm, you can actually invoke the name of a whole bunch of people. I'm going to get Pentecostal for just a moment. Amen. You can invoke the name of a whole bunch of people and things. I am not to get too deep into that, but I would just say that there are such things as malevolent presences. Amen. There are demonic presences. There are presences that mean you no good that oftentimes people invoke in their spiritual walk. But when you invoke the presence of Jesus through the name of Jesus, you are invoking the personality of Jesus, the very essence of Jesus. You are asking love to be present with you. You are asking love to be present with you. So the name is presence and the name is personality who are you asking and so it is the Jesus that the presence that we know that's why sometimes people try to invoke the name of Jesus I've seen this before in the political realm how people will pray even so-called Christians will pray in the name of Jesus and they'll pray some ugly prayers that don't even represent the very essence and character of who Jesus is amen and we be praying against folk. We be praying against uh, progress. Praying against justice in our community. We say in the name of Jesus, Amen. Uh, we 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 gather around the flagpole sometimes, or at the county commissioner building. We pray for all kind of craziness, but we don't pray for the things that Jesus prayed for. We don't pray for the things that Jesus was concerned about. We don't pray for things like the least of these and the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed that Jesus. That Jesus said, "The spirit of the Lord God is upon me to proclaim the good news." To the poor. The word poor there's potokos, which literally means those who have been made to be bent over, those who have been crushed, those who got who who got their boot, who got a boot on their neck. So let's all pray in the name of Jesus, any Jesus. (laughs) We gotta pray in the name of the Jesus who is love. Pray in the name of the Jesus who practices solidarity. And the poor pastor, like, well, pastor, which Jesus should I pray for? Pray to. Which name of Jesus? Read the Gospels. That's why we're going to talk about the Gospels next month. So people won't be confused. Because I'm going to be honest with you. There's some Jesus people praying the name of that ain't got nothing to do with the Gospels. I'm just going to keep it real with you. I'd be like, I don't know who they're praying to. They're praying to Jesus, but they confuse it with a Republican. They're praying to a Jesus, they're confusing it with a white supremacist. Or they can, they're praying to a Jesus who's a genie in the bottle. A Jesus that's given me all my consumer desires and affections. They pray to a Jesus that enables us in our beautifully broken selves. Jesus, give me whatever I want. No, that ain't Jesus. And so Jesus is personality. Who who is Jesus? I challenge you to look at uh, Galatians chapter 5 the fruit of the spirit, right? Because the fruit of the spirit, the Holy Spirit is actually the fruit and characteristics of Jesus. Galatians chapter five. You want to know the very personality of Jesus? Look at Galatians chapter five. He talks about the fruit of the spirit. Love, peace, joy. This is the personality of Jesus. And lastly, the presence is purpose. The name is purpose. Jesus has a purpose, y'all. Get a chance to read Luke chapter 4. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to do these things. He's very clear about what his purpose is. And so what does that mean? In any given moment, Jesus has a purpose or an intention in every moment. I'm not, I'm not just talking about purpose and calling in your entire life, your vocation. You know what I'm talking about? Like, why am I here kind of thing? There's that. But there's also the purpose in the moment. I'm dealing with crazy coworkers. They're getting on my nerves. They, they try to sabotage. They try to do all kind of stuff. So rather than just, you know, not pray and just be me, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, what are you doing in this minute, in this moment, in this situation? What would Jesus do, as they say? Right? What is Jesus' purpose in this particular moment? And you begin to imagine. That's why you got to have a gospel-filled imagination to get a sense of how Jesus would move in a situation. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, you are invoking Jesus to begin to reveal purpose and movement and action in that particular moment. Like, for instance, some of y'all, y'all might get into it with somebody, amen, and you see yourself about to slap them. <laughs> right? I deal with a very awkward social situation. It had a little racial, un- not undertone, it had overtones to it. And y'all remember that movie? I, man, I love this movie. Chris Rock, when he, when he ran for president, and then he called in the big dogs, he called in Bernie Mac, his big brother. Y'all remember that train scene? I will play on the screen, but you know, I don't wanna you know, celebrate violence in the place. And so there was like this thing like, okay, we got a black president now, so we gonna exact vengeance against white people. And so Cedric, the entertainer, he gets, he gets, not Cedric, uh, D- Bernie Mac, yes. And so Bernie Mac gets on the train, he begins to slap every white person on the, on the train terminal, right? He literally walked up and like this old white lady. He's a whack. He just just walked through slapping everybody. So every black person that's conscious and deal with racial discrimination or microaggression or anything, y'all all all had those moments. Don't lie. So in your mind, you just see yourself walking up to him. But when you pray in the name of Jesus, You can't see yourself slapping them. You won't see Jesus slapping them. But you may see Jesus telling the truth about the situation in love, dear heart. <laughs> like one of my coworkers, a little while ago, I went to the printer. You know, a you know, printer traffic build up in the office. If anybody work in an office environment. And everybody will be blaming everybody for leaving that printer traffic on the printer. I heard a co-worker say, you keep leaving your print traffic on the printer. I said, no, I don't. I pick it up when it comes on. Nah, you look like you would do that. <laughs> I said, what? You look like a criminal. I said, I look. I said, in my head, I, you know, I had that burning Mac scene in my head. <laughs> I said, I said, I want you to think about what you just said. It may seem like a small thing to you. I said, but you know me. I'm a father with six children. Um, You know, I'm a pastor. I love people. I said, um, you know, I share with you my Starbucks. (laughs) Right? We joke, we kid. I said, think about what you just said. You just said, I look like a criminal. had to speak truth. She said, Oh, yeah. Now, it could have went it would have went the other way. Right? Then, you know, Tony be trying to hold it down. There, i be I'll be looking for a job, right? I'll be hanging out with Ash trying to figure out how we're gonna get this business going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be jobless. Amen. And so you got to pray in the name of Jesus in purpose. What is Jesus moving? How is he acting uh, in this particular moment? Not just in my life, right? Not just in my calling. There is that too. Jesus will speak to the bigger issue of why do I exist? No doubt about it, right? Why do I take up space and time on the earth? What is my calling in life? God will reveal that. But what I'm talking about now is Jesus' purpose in any given moment. You with your children, and you want to go straight to town, and you bring this say, "In Jesus' name, help me, Lord." That don't mean let them off the hook; let them do whatever they want to do, but finding ways to address them in a loving and way. And sometimes it's not even just about discipline; it's also just about affirmation. They do something beautiful. They do something this this is. Uh, really powerful and speaks of love and, and, and in the direction of going into a mature adult, you begin to affirm them, right? Jesus may say, speak something to them. Speak words of love and affirmation. So the name is purpose. And so I want to leave this with you today. I want to leave something for you to walk away with, something practical. And some of you may not be aware of this. If you've been in Mission House any amount of time, we do honor and recognize ancient Christian faith, that Christianity is a tradition that's been around for millennia, centuries. And you connect it to the Jewish tradition even before that. And so, as we've always said, the wise person knows how to pull out of the treasure chest wisdom that is old and new and so there's so many rich practices and traditions that we can bring into our present moment to help us be made aware of the very presence personality and purpose of jesus in any given moment y'all ready for this it's called the jesus prayer See, the Jesus prayer dates back to the early church mothers and fathers in the Egyptian desert, in Africa. Some of the oldest churches in the world, as we said before many times, some of the oldest churches in the world are in Africa, specifically Ethiopia and Egypt. Centuries, thousands or so plus years before European Christianity comes on the continent of Africa. Christianity has already been there from the early church. Many of us, especially who are African-American Christians, many of us are unfamiliar with African Christianity. Most of us have just been exposed to European Christianity. It comes out of Catholicism or the Protestant Reformation, the Baptists, the Methodists. Because a lot of times, you know, our conscience, our woke brothers and sisters history, man. Eric came out that Jesus, Jesus,